1: We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, We will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans.
0: This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France.
2: Yes, indeed, Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get started. On a Friday, and we'll try to keep true to Free For All Friday as much as we can today. I've got two important guests to talk to about two important issues, uh, but we will be open for business for phone calls from two one six or two two one six rather nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. There's so many things you could go into, honestly. It's going to be hard for me. It's one of those shows where I have you 15, 20 different good, solid topics that I could spend a half an hour or more on each, and I don't have that kind of time. So I may just really have to rely on you to tell me where you want to go and which of these issues you would like to address today. So thanks for being with us on this Friday. It's the fourth morning. Of the third month of the year of our Lord twenty twenty two, coming up in about a half an hour, our third straight day with a Senate candidate. For different reasons, we had Josh Mandel on on Wednesday. We had Mike Gibbons, who's leading the polls now. Yesterday and today, JD Vance is going to come in and talk a little bit about Ukraine. Talk a little bit about what he believes to be uh the wrong policy. He doesn't think we should focus on Ukraine at all. Yes, yeah, this, this is a distraction, from what I heard uh, last night on Tucker from JD. It's a distraction. We should be focused on our southern border, first and foremost. I don't disagree, by the way, that we doggone well better be focusing on our southern border. Uh, But he basically is saying it's an either-or proposition. We cannot do both things at once, and that we should worry more about the southern border than what's going on in Ukraine. You agree with him? I'm not sure I do. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to challenge him. Because, quite frankly, I think we do need to be worried about both. Did you notice what happened yesterday? The Russians assaulted the largest nuclear power plant in all of Europe, not in all of Ukraine, on the continent. It provides around 25% of the energy that is used to fuel Europe, and it was assaulted by the Russians and set ablaze. A lot of people felt like, oh my goodness, this is about to become, you know, and somebody last night on television, I can't remember who, said it would be 10 times or more um, of what happened in Chernobyl back in the 1980s if the reactors melted down. Fortunately, it's a massive power plant and there are administration buildings and there are reactors. It is the admin buildings that were attacked reactors are sound that's the report that we got last night and that's the report we woke up to this morning however with the good news being that the fires went out the bad news is the russians have since taken the reactor or uh, taken uh, the power plant russia has captured europe's largest nuclear energy plant after that attack so they're in control of it now what does that mean are they likely to try to trigger something like a nuclear meltdown? Probably not. That's going to be devastating for Russia just as much as as it would be for Ukraine and the rest of Europe. But it's a very serious situation that demands our attention, and that's why we're going to bring that up or I'm going to bring that up with uh, JD Vance coming up at 9:35 this morning at uh, 9 or excuse me at 10:10. Are the Ohio lines real this time? Talking about the redistricting lines. The newly redrawn map after two failures by the redistricting commission. And they're not failures. They did it right, actually. They uh, uh, they followed the Constitution. They drew, drew, drew the lines, lines fairly, excuse me, uh, particularly based upon what the voting patterns have been in this state. This is a red state. Uh, there is a Republican majority, and they kind of get to draw the lines. And in a partisan vote on the commission, of course, the Republicans... Um, you know, had the had the, had the the map ready to go. Not once, but twice. When I say they failed, it's only because this was taken to the Ohio Supreme Court for approval. And Maureen O'Connor, for whatever reason, the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, uh, struck it down. Sided with the Democrats on the court and struck it down and said, nope, go back and draw it again. Is this one going to be any better? I don't know. Why am I bringing it up now? Because this one, if it is to be approved, changes things a great deal. Remember how Jonas Schultz and Max Miller were running in uh, District 13 to uh, replace and get rid of Anthony Gonzalez? Well, they won't be in 13 anymore. That race would move to District 7, and Bob Gibbs, an incumbent, is there. Changes everything. So Jonas Schultz will be joining us coming up at 1010 to talk about that. So we've got J.D. Vance and we've got Jonah Schultz coming up on the program. And we're going to get into the news of the day right after we do this. It's time, friends, and patriots to rise wherever you may be. And I love that you do this. Face your flag if you have one nearby. And I love that you do that. And Please join us for our pledge. If you do not believe in liberty, if you do not believe in the United States and our ability and our responsibility to take care of our own people first, but to make sure that problems on the world stage that can directly impact our people next... Uh, have to be dealt with well you're probably you're probably not of the same mindset that we are when we talk about pledging uh, our allegiance to this flag because this flag does represent liberty for our people and for the world so uh... let's uh... keep that in mind as you decide whether or not you want to stand or whether or not you want to kneel next to the ex-quarterback for those who wish to stand I pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic
0: for which it stands one nation, under God,
2: indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So let's continue that part of the conversation about what happened last night and what suggestion was made by a prominent U.S. senator to deal with what is happening last night and beyond in Ukraine. First of all, the update. This, this is what we can tell you right now. The head of the IAEA... Uh, has said that no radiation has been released as a result of the attack on that power plant uh, or on the now occupation of it, if you will, by the Russians. The general D- director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency, that's the IAEA, has said in a press conference... That the reactors are secure and safe. The fires were extinguished on the administration buildings, and they are fortunate that there was no release of radiation. The integrity of the reactors was not compromised. So, that's good news. Part two, Ukrainian displaced children who have been caught up in Russia's attacks have been sent home, or not, excuse me, not sent home, have been sent to Poland to be reunited with their mothers there. The Russians continuing to draw international condemnation for their attacks on civilians and their attacks on civilian locations, civilian buildings. They are not attacking military installations to try to get uh, Ukraine's military to break. They are attacking innocent people. That has, again, drawn international condemnation and perhaps support for the senator that I mentioned a moment ago that I'll tell you about. Uh, The head of the IAEA has also called now for a meeting between Russia and Ukraine over safety at nuclear sites. This is one of the lines that I think is just a little bit bizarre. They want to meet to discuss the security of Ukraine's nuclear sites and to discuss an agreement to not attack nuclear sites. Um, Wait a second. What? What? They want to call, in the, and they want to do this in the U.N. Security Council, by the way, which Russia sits on. They have a seat at the Security Council table in the United Nations, even though they're the ones um, violating the security and the sovereignty of Ukraine right now with this unholy war. But there is now a call for nobody to attack nuclear facilities. Well, I don't know that you're going to be able to sit down and have an agreement with Russia when they are in the midst of attacking a nuclear facility. Let's be real here. This is going to take action, not diplomacy right now. And then finally, NATO has ruled out... Um, a no-fly zone. Literally, as of about an hour ago, this broke. They have ruled out a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Remember, there were calls to establish a no-fly zone and to take any Russian uh, uh, aircraft out of the sky if they try to go over Ukraine, saying, let them fight this on the ground, because they aren't doing very well at that, at least at the pace that they would wish. So let's stop them from just you know, doing flyover bombings and so forth, but... That would, of course, entail shooting down Russian planes by NATO forces, which would uh, uh, effectively bring other NATO countries into the actual physical war now, because they would be retaliated against without question by the Russian madman Vladimir Putin. Now, I just give you the little background and update on the children that are being attacked, the parents that are being attacked, the civilians, to let you know exactly how evil what we are dealing with is. And that is the backdrop for this comment that we need to share. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, who I don't think is anybody's conservative, um, he has had a few moments where he has stood up for things that are right, but he is largely ridiculed and mocked by conservative Republicans. He is hated by liberals. Lindsey Graham took to Twitter yesterday um, and took to the television airwaves on Fox to call for the outright assassination from or of Vladimir Putin from within Russia. Now, this is, this is noteworthy. This is noteworthy because he is a United States senator. He is greenlighting an attack and an assassination of a world leader, which may or may not be uh, the most positive thing to do, which is why I want to discuss it with you, and I'm going to ask the guests about it this morning as well, like J.D. Vance, uh, and get, uh, get his thoughts on this, too but he is calling for the assassination of a world leader and he comes from a prominent position of leadership in the United States senate so he made this uh he made this appeal on twitter and he made it on fox go ahead and give this a listen it's very short
1: how does this end somebody in russia has to step up to the plate is there brutus in russia is there more successful colonel stoppenberg in the <coughs> russian military the only way this sh- ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great
2: service. And there you have it. On live television, Lindsey Graham declaring that we need a Brutus. And, of course, he's referring to Brutus as in one of the uh, conspirators in the assassination of Julius Caesar. Where is the Brutus? To step up from behind Vladimir Putin and stab him in the heart. Where's Brutus? That's what we need. Now, the response to what Lindsey Graham had to say with that, re- with that remark has been quite astounding. Uh, I'll give you just a couple of the replies. Uh, one from Laura Ingram, who uh, followed Hannity and uh, 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 Lindsey Graham's uh, comment to the airwaves. She said this while interviewing Tom Cotton.
1: I know Lindsey Graham earlier tonight tweeted that basically uh, someone needs to, quote, take him out. Or maybe I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically someone should assassinate yeah. Putin. I don't know why a sitting U.S. senator would be tweeting that out. It seems really dangerous and stupid to say that.
2: Really dangerous and stupid to say that. That was the take from Laura Ingram. Uh, her opinion apparently is shared by virtually all of social media, and when I say all of it, I mean you just run up and down it right now. Just if you go into the search uh, bar of uh, of a Twitter or or Facebook or other social media, you're going to see. Uh, universal condemnation of Lindsey Graham for that remark from the right and from the left um, i got I, I could sit here and read for a half an hour because I almost spent a half an hour reading some of the responses to see which of those were legitimate responses to Lindsey Graham and which of those were just partisan uh you know hacks you know taking taking a swipe at somebody but i 'm going to ask the question rather than give the answer. Um, Is it as, as radical and unheard of as it is being made to sound by Laura Ingram and others? Is the notion that a man who has just invaded a foreign country to expand Russian territory in order to stop the influence of NATO along their border is calling for the leader who is killing women and children and attacking civilian sites as a part of this campaign of terror, is calling for him to be taken out. Really so radical and really so unheard of and, un, and, uh, and and uh, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the other critical words people have used for this. Is it really that unheard of? Is it really that crazy? And I'll ask it from this Vantage point, if somebody would have called for a member of Hitler's SS to take him down the moment he invaded Poland, within the first two weeks of invading Poland, that this man is doing something that is not only, again, unholy, particularly with respect to the final solution to the Jewish question, which was genocide in the Holocaust. But his invasion of Poland was going to lead to the invasion of the rest of of Europe, uh, particularly Western Europe, with designs on essentially world domination. If somebody had said on a TV show back then, if that could be done, uh, if somebody close to Hitler in the Nazi Reich, in the Third Reich, could take him out, you'd be doing the world a favor. Would that be... Would that be accurate? I think I would have done the world a pretty good favor. Now I say this, and I ask this, um, with hindsight being twenty twenty vision, as you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty vision because we know what Hitler went on to do. Would they have figured that out at that time? Depends on who was in the know. Depends on who who really knew what Hitler's grand plan was. But at the time that he invaded Poland and killed or took uh, into concentration camps all of the Polish Jews, or rather the Jews living in Poland at the time, um, and, and around the rest of Western Europe, at the time, if somebody had said somebody should assassinate him and stop him in his madness, I think that would have gotten a few positive reviews. Now, is Putin on the same level as Hitler? I don't know, because I don't know what his endgame is. I don't have hindsight yet to give me 2020 vision the way we did on Hitler. But I do know this. I do know that Vladimir Putin is a killer. I do know that he, as a former uh, KGB agent and colonel, was responsible for the deaths of countless numbers of people, and we do know that... Um, just a few years ago, eight years ago to be precise, I think it was in 2014, when he uh, annexed Crimea against international uh, condemnation and directives. And he seems to be completely... He seems to be all-powerful. He seems to be somebody that no one can talk to. Nobody can use diplomacy. Nobody can use sanctions to stop. He's going to do what he wants to do until somebody stops him. Now, does that somebody need to be an American? No. Does it need to be a Ukrainian? No. Lindsey Graham said it ought to be a Russian. Is he that far off base? Is this really that radical of an idea? I've got some serious uh, mixed emotions about that. You do have to be aware of if you take out a world leader like that, who's going to fill his place? You know the old adage of the devil you know versus the devil you don't? We know the devil that Vladimir Putin is. We don't know who would rise up and take over the position in his place if he was taken out by someone in his own country. That is to be considered. But I want you to consider it and I want to hear from you. 216 901 zero nine four five triple eight two eight1 eleven ten right back.
0: Always right with Bob France on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
2: Okay, it's nine twenty seven. Again, I've got uh, JD Vance coming up. That'll be uh, after the uh, bottom of the hour, uh, bottom of the hour break. Uh, so, looking forward to talking to him. He was on Tucker last night and said we need to stop obsessing. Republicans in particular need to stop obsessing over uh, Ukraine. Uh, He said we should be more more worried about the southern border than we are Ukraine. So we're going to talk to him about that and what that really means coming up at 935. Let me get a couple of quickies in here before the bottom of the hour, though. Derek is in Richfield. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. You're on the air.
3: Hey, morning, Bob. Thank you. Um, So, you know, I'm calling. I want to know... um what do you know about the, in 2014, Ukraine had a coup. Um, I believe it was called the, the Dignity Revolution or the Maidan, Maidan, however you pronounce it. Um, I remember at the, you know, I remember it happening at the time. I didn't, you know, look into a lot of details about it. You know, trying to look it up now, obviously, you know, you're going to get all different information and trying to figure out what really happened there. But I don't know, as far as my understanding, it seemed that it was, um, it was like basically a lengthy period of just riots, a lot of street violence. Um, and the, the, the president at the time, I think his name was um, Yakonovich, I, I believe. Um, but, I mean, he was ousted. He wasn't killed. But, I mean, he was forced out. And, and the other impression I get, it was, um, it was more of a, I, I, know, I need you was, to
2: come current. I need you to come current. What are we talking about here? You're, you're, giving, me, you're giving me this 2014 history lesson. I don't know where you're going with it. Well, it's just that
3: to, uh, trying to understand the whole situation that's going on now is, um, is I think that's the impression I've gotten that there was. a What coup does that have to do Ukraine with Putin's in invasion? What,
2: what does that have right. to bring, bring it home for me? What does that have to do with Putin's invasion?
3: Is that it? I don't know it changed the dynamics of Ukraine. Where I guess <clears> before <throat> that leader, he was I guess more pro pro Russian, where he wanted to be more of the Euro the Russian Asian market, and then. Uh, when he he was ousted and and just and then so it was more of a pro-western um government that was in you know that was put in so I okay. was just wondering if you know if he knew anything about what well you know, here's really
2: here, here here's here's what I would say I I would say this the the current leadership of Ukraine is obviously interested in at least discussing the possibility of joining NATO and that is what's driving Putin's decision now if the 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 previous leadership before the coup that you're talking about was more pro-russian it was less likely to want to be a part of NATO which brings American influence and other NATO Nation influence along the Russian border uh, then and that's why they wouldn't do anything um, okay I'll listen to that argument but again he did it um, uh, with with Crimea he annexed the peninsula of Crimea against the orders of the international community, including the red line drawn by Barack Obama. So, uh, he basically said, too bad, I'm going in anyway and annexed it and essentially took it over. So, you know, that was in 2014, I believe. So, you know, the, the, did that happen right after the coup, before the coup? I don't have the timing of that, but I will tell you this. Right now, this is all about Uh, Ukraine's flirtation with NATO or maybe even NATO's recruitment of Ukraine to become a part of that union. Uh, and And that's the essence of where I think Putin is coming from right now. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. We'll talk more. I'm sorry to brush you off the phone, but I've got to get ready here for a conversation with J.D. Vance next AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Down and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right, always right. With Bob France on AM
2: 1420, The Answer. 937 now, always right, never left, always right, not wrong on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. Talked to Mike Gibbons yesterday, who has surged into the lead of many, many polls in the uh, United States Republican primary Senate race. Talked to Josh Mandel, who was in the lead the day before. Now, we uh, talked to a guy who's hoping to try to catch up and overtake them both. J.D. Vance joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. J.D., good morning. How are you?
4: Good, Bob. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. Caught you on Tucker last night. You spent a lot of time on Tucker. You guys got a little bromance going on there, or what?
4: <laughs> yeah, we see the world in similar ways, and I think you know he recognizes very few people think the way that I do, so uh, we try to talk about issues from time to time, and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to, to have the platform, of course.
2: Well, it was, uh, it was an interesting conversation last night, and I was uh, really glad to be able to see it before I had John, so I can ask you a little bit about some of the things that you guys discussed, and maybe go in a little more depth, because we have more time than you do on a short TV segment. So if someone were to watch you for the first time yesterday... <clears throat> They would, they may take away that you are opposed to sending aid to Ukraine, that you're, that we are, that you're opposed essentially to being involved in Ukraine, paying attention to Ukraine. You, 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 you spoke, I think, in a lot of America first language, very Trumpian America first language. Um, you slammed garbage Republicans for being, quote, obsessed with Ukraine all the time, and instead we should focus on our own border. Um, would a first time viewer of yours seeing that you know, last night, would, would they be correct in that assessment?
4: Yeah, largely. One one qualifier there, Bob, which is that I'm not opposed to sending aid to the Ukrainians, right? I'm not opposed to sending, you know, food, medical supplies, and so forth. I just think that we should condition it on actually solving some of our own problems, too, right? So what I proposed last night, and I'm going to try to try to write an op-ed today to flesh this out a little bit more, is, look, for every dollar that goes to the Ukraine, we should send $3 to the American southern border. Uh, because I do think that, you know, we're we're all so preoccupied, our media, our political leadership with what's going on in Ukraine. There are, as I understand it, about 200,000 Russians uh, who are invading the country of Ukraine. And there are 2 million illegal aliens who have invaded this country with no response from our leaders, uh, with no real care from the corporate media. Uh, Of course, what's going on in Ukraine is tragic, but there are a lot of things that are tragic that are close to home that that our media refuses to focus on. And I'm just watching this all unfold, Bob, and i got to be honest with you, I'm getting a very weird feeling. I feel like I'm being sold something. I'm not sure what I'm being sold. But on the one hand, Joe Biden and every major media outlet says that Ukraine is the most important thing, wall-to-wall coverage. I mean, we haven't had the media focus on an issue uh, like this since probably COVID in the early days. And yet at the same time, the one thing that we could do to weaken Russia that we could actually do without starting World War III become more energy-dependent, and we refuse to do it. Something about this just doesn't work for me, Bob. There's something weird about the conversation and I worry that Republicans, too many of us are taking the bait on this and not stepping back and saying, what is actually in our interest? What should we be doing here? And how is a given American goal connected to the, to, to the policy of the administration right now? Because I don't think there's a whole lot of that going
2: on. Uh, it's an interesting observation. Uh, I, you're never going to find anybody who agrees more with our need to secure the border and stop the two million people who illegally crossed last year from from growing and doing it again, particularly with all, all of the drugs and other things that come across. So I certainly will not disagree with that. But to the point that one needs to be dealt with before we can deal with the other, you woke up this morning to the same news I did. The Russians not only attacked the largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. It's the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. It provides Europe with 25% of its energy. They attacked it and set it ablaze last night. This morning we found out the good news that the blaze was put out, and the reactors were not damaged or compromised, but the Russians have taken the facility. Now, by taking it and occupying it, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. And when you talk about a Russian force, T- uh, taking a massive nuclear plant that, if it were to be compromised, according to the experts, it would be uh, exponentially worse and larger than uh, the disaster in Chernobyl in the 1980s. I, I kind of think I'm looking over there, uh, and I don't think I'm wrong to do it before I look down to the southern border this morning. Well, let, let me let me push back a little
4: bit here yeah. because you know it's funny you mentioned the Tucker Carlson appearance because right before I went on Tucker, I was getting you know the news about the Russian excuse me, the Ukrainian nuclear reactor for the first time.
3: Yeah. And
4: I remember what the Ukrainian foreign minister, I mean, I, I, I literally looked at this right before I, I went on Tucker's show last night. The Ukrainian foreign minister was saying, well, this is this is going to be 10 times worse than Chernobyl. And I have a friend of mine who actually knows a fair amount about nuclear energy and the types of reactors they have there. And the guy basically said, it is physically impossible because that, that reactor is from a particular generation where you could not have anything like Chernobyl happen with that reactor. Um, And so if the Ukrainian foreign minister is actually telling us that this is 10 times worse than Chernobyl, and yet that's physically impossible again, that's the sort of thing that makes me feel like I'm being sold something. Again, I'm not sure what I'm being sold. I think the Ukrainians obviously have an interest in us getting more and more involved in this. And and maybe that's the right answer. My view is it's not the right answer, but regardless of what the right answer is, we should be looking at it as what is in the interest of our country? What is in the interest of our citizenship? Uh, At the end of the day, um, you know what happens in Ukraine, uh, whether the Russians take over the country, whether it becomes a long-term quagmire for them, Afghanistan-style. Whatever the outcome is, the 10 million illegal aliens that come into this country every year, I think, is a fundamentally transformational thing for our country. It changes our demographics, our culture, it changes our welfare state, it changes our economy, and that is what I, I worry more about. And I and I do worry, Bob. Uh, and, and we may just have to agree to disagree. that the the focus on Ukraine is distracting us from from very core problems close to home. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about is the leading cause of death among 18 to 45-year-olds in this country is fentanyl. Most of it coming from Mexico, a lot of it manufactured in China and then brought in through Mexico. Uh, I would like the CNN reporters and the president of the United States and all of the people who are obsessed with Ukraine to just for a minute show a little bit of compassion for that problem. If it worries me that we're so focused on something 6,000 miles away, when we've got so many problems here at home. Again, doesn't mean we can't do anything. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't put sanctions. It doesn't mean we can't offer aid to the Ukrainians. But I think that our focus on Ukraine is distracting us from some much bigger things.
2: We're talking with uh, J.D. Vance, U.S. Senate candidate, uh, in a race, uh, crowded race in the, in the uh, Republican primary. I want to play um, uh, one of the clips from last night with Tucker and ask you to follow up on it, um, because... If sure. I were to suggest what I want to suggest to you right now, you would call me a garbage Republican, and I'm going to suggest that we can do and focus our attention on two things at once, but here's what you said.
4: And the problem that I have when people always tell me, you know, the criticism that I get, again, from the garbage Republicans as much as the Democrats, is, well, America can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? We can focus on both of these problems. Well, if we can focus on both of these problems, why don't we, right? If we can control our own southern border and also look after Ukraine, why don't we do that, right? This this constant sloganeering these ridiculous talking points this idea that we can look after both of these things at the same time is frankly contradicted by the evidence that we see right before our very eyes
2: my response to that last night as i watched you and heard you is the one i'm going to give you right now and saying and that is going to be that 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 the fact that we're not doing those two things at the same time is not evidence that we cannot. It's evidence of the uh, irrational Biden administration that has intentionally ignored the southern border. Not only ignored it, but in fact encouraged people to uh, to bre- breach it um, with, uh, with his ridiculous policies. Even his, his remarks on supposedly cracking down on the border on Tuesday in the State of the Union, most of it was how to get more people here. We need to get more judges to process these asylum seekers' claims so that we can get them into the country because, you know, they're not going to get judges that turn them away. Um, yep. So my point My point is, J.D., I think we absolutely can focus all of our attention or or, or or maybe a ton of our attention on our southern border while also focusing a ton of our attention on something that's happening 6,000 miles away but that you have to know is impacting us right here at home through energy costs. The fact that we are continuing to buy our energy from Russia and therefore funding Putin's war effort in Ukraine – I don't think it's true that we can't chew gum and walk at the same time. It's we're choosing not to, and that's a Biden policy decision, not an American ability.
4: Yeah, fair point. Let me respond to it. First of all, I don't think you're a garbage mm. Republican, Bob. You know, I like you and admire your leadership um, over over the past several years in this country. And I say that not just to, to kiss your ear end because I think it's actually true. And, you know, it's no, important for us it. to have these, these 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 disagreements and to be open about them. Anyway, here's here's what I'd, what I'd offer in response first we have to appreciate that biden is president right donald trump isn't president uh you know Ron DeSantis isn't president biden is president and so in the reality that we actually have you have joe biden who simultaneously refuses to focus on our own southern border and i think is excited right you you listen to this guy you listen to his administration you watch kamala harris on tv they are excited that they have this crisis in ukraine because they know that it allows them to talk tough on tv and distract us from the fundamental problem of what's going on in our own country. Now, you're right that there is a theoretical world where, let's say, President Trump is is president in 25, and we've got an ability to both secure our southern border and also deal constructively with this Ukraine problem. And the reality that we have, the administration that we actually have right now, I think the evidence is that we can't do both of those things at the same time. And not just that we can't but that the focus on Ukraine allows Joe Biden a political get-out-of-jail-free card for the various crises in his own country. As evidence, you know, you mentioned energy prices. Of course, energy prices are going to be made worse, but they're also very bad before, right, because of Joe Biden's energy policies. Absolutely. They're not primarily no question. Our, our Russian-Ukraine crisis causing a spike in energy. It's Biden's idiotic energy policy. Inflation broadly, right, one of the craziest stories that I saw was before Russia even invaded Ukraine, I saw a story, I think, in CBS that experts, of course, always worry about the experts, but experts warn that the inflation, that that the invasion of Ukraine is going to cause an inflation spike. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, well, we've had an inflation spike for the past year. You guys haven't cared at all about it. So my my point here is not just that it's a failure in practice of Biden being able to walk and chew gum at the same time. But we have to accept that because that is the president that we actually have. On the other hand, it is giving this guy's get-out-of-jail-free card. It's allowing Republicans and allowing not just Republicans, but the whole country to be distracted from the very real problems at home. And, you know, we, we always have to remember here, right, the same people who are waving the saber on Ukraine, the same people who are really, I think, excited. I mean, you listen to Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or a lot of the Democrats, they seem excited about this Russia-Ukraine crisis. You can hear it in their voice when, they're, when they speak. But these are the same people that were obsessed about Russia hacking the 2016 election, installing Donald Trump as a fake puppy. You know all of these crazy things that we heard over the last four years. I think that we're empowering those people by by playing into their narrative on this crisis instead of saying, "Hey, why don't you focus on closer to home? That's where the real crisis is. That's where the real problems lie."
2: Okay, and 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 I think you make some very good points there. I want to I want to try to wrap that part of this with this. Um, is it fair to say that maybe what we should be doing is our, our focus on what's here at home should be different than our focus uh, what, uh, of what's going on in Ukraine right now? You said focus on, you got last night again, go, I'm quoting you, focus on the problems closer to home, then we can worry about what's happening in Ukraine. What's happening here at home with respect to the southern border in particular is our choice. It's our choice because of the government we elected and gave power to, not just Biden, but the entire Democrat controlled Congress. They want to surrender our sovereignty. We made that happen. What's happening to the Ukrainians is not their choice. They're the victims here. They are the victims of a madman, a madman named Vladimir Putin and his war machine. Is it fair to say maybe as a compromise here, JD, that we should focus all of our anger and rage on, on Biden? And on the Congress that is allowing this invasion of our country vis-a-vis our southern border, Uh, but our sadness and our compassion should be with the people of Ukraine. I think I can give an equal focus of anger toward one and compassion, compassion and concern toward the other. Is that a fair compromise?
4: Well, absolutely, you can. I think as an individual American, look, you know, every day, every, every weekend at church for the past two weeks, I've said a prayer for peace for the Ukrainians. Uh, I think it's absolutely reasonable for us as individual Americans to to, to, to show compassion, to accept that there's a tragedy over in the Ukraine. Uh, at the same time, I think we have to accept that as Americans, for the very reasons you just said, the, 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 the geopolitics, right, our country cannot focus on Ukraine in the sense that it really cannot affect the outcome. And I think even if it could affect the outcome, it would be less important than so many of the things that are happening at home. Uh, so I, I, absolutely, I, I think the policy of our government, has to we have to separate that from our individual actions as Americans. And all I'm saying is that as a government policy, we have to accept that there are interests that are more vital, that are closer to home. And I think this Ukraine thing is allowing us to distract ourselves.
2: Most people who are following, the, following this very closely, J.D. Vance, um, have talked not only about what's got going on with Russia and Ukraine, but the outcome of that dictating what may happen with communist China and Taiwan. Uh, they're watching very sure. closely to see what the NATO response is, if there is one, to see what the American response is, if there is one. Because if they see that Putin is getting away with this, this is something they've wanted to do with Taiwan you know, for a very long time. To the point that you said we already had inflation because of Biden's policies. You're right. We do. And that's, in, that's, that's unforgivable. But I, I read one expert who said we allow China to go into taiwan because we're allowing russia to go into ukraine and doing nothing the semiconductor taiwanese the taiwanese uh, semiconductor industry being taken over china by china is going to make a $1000 american laptop become a $15000 american laptop this is going to have a direct we're not just talking about a little bit more for our groceries a little bit more for our gas we're talking about massive massive impacts on the american economy and the american consumer any thought on Maybe the decisions or the attention we pay to Ukraine here is going to have a lot bigger impact on America through t- through uh, Asia uh, than, than it actually is through Europe.
4: Uh, yeah, look, absolutely a fair point. Um, I think, unfortunately, the damage is largely done because I think it's, it's about weakness, right? The, the, the Chinese see weakness. Um, the Russians have seen weakness. A lot of people see weakness. Uh, that's the fault of the Biden administration. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to change that a whole lot. This is the one thing the Constitution does give the president near total control over his foreign policy. Uh, and unfortunately, we have the president that we have. Yeah. Now, I will say this is one of the reasons why I've been a little bit more cautious about the Russia-Ukraine thing, Bob, because I worry that, I mean, this is not a past you know year thing. This is going back to the Obama administration, that it's been the policy of the State Department to push the Russians further and further into the arms of the Chinese, where, look, we're never going to be Vladimir Putin's buddy. He's clearly a bad guy. But Trump said, and he was criticized, he was called a Russian stooge for this, for saying that maybe we should try to thaw a little bit with the Russians. Maybe we should try to provoke them as little as possible. And maybe we should try to build some sort of, you know, neutral alliance with them uh, vis-a-vis the Chinese. And I think that's still probably the right policy. And what I what I look at right now, I really worry, as you see you know, American lawmakers talking about sanctioning India. Okay, we're already effectively in some sort of cold conflict with Russia and China. So now we're basically taking on the three largest powers in the entire world. Like, we've got to be very smart here. Because look, I hate to say it, but thanks to a lot of bad policies, right, a lot of bipartisan bad policies over 30, 40 years, America is not as strong as a country as it was when Ronald Reagan was president. And because of that, uh, we've got to be careful about not pissing off every single world power because we can't take them all on at once. Ha-
2: having, having, said that, having said that, having said J.D., I apologize. We're running short yeah. on time here. And I wanted to get your of reaction course. to Lindsey Graham yesterday who went on Fox and said, we need somebody in Russia, not Americans, not, not even Ukrainians, but somebody within Russia needs to do the world a favor and take their own leader out. How would you react to that?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I worry about that, Bob. Um, you know, the last time that you had an American uh, leadership take out a bad guy was Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, right? That was Hillary Clinton's idea to take out Gaddafi. He was, of course, a bad guy. He deserved whatever came to him. But what happened is Libya became a tinderbox. It empowered a lot of Islamic terrorists in the region. And we have basically a a, a slow-burning civil war, right? Vladimir Putin's a bad guy, but if you have a regime change, maybe you get somebody better, maybe you get somebody worse. And now you've got a total... Um, a person even worse than Vladimir Putin with control of Russia's nuclear weapons. we got to be careful here, right? This is the thing that we should take from 20 years of American policy uh, overseas, Bob, is that when we inject ourselves into some of these regime change conversations, very often it does not work out. It didn't work out in Iraq, didn't work out in Libya, hasn't worked out in Syria. We've got to be careful here and accept there are limitations to what our country could do. That's why I constantly say, We've got to focus on our own problems at home, starting with the southern border.
2: J.D. Vance joining us on uh, AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, hey, J.D., I already blew past my break, so um, what more damage can I do to myself by giving you 60 seconds to talk? <laughs> S- just 60, but can you do me a favor, set your timer on your, on your Apple Watch or whatever you got there, and give me 60 yeah. seconds on where the race is. Uh, it seems to have shifted. Uh, Josh Mandela had been leading for a very long time. Mike Gibbons has surged to the lead in a number of polls. Uh, how you feeling about where things are?
4: Yeah, you know, I feel I feel very good. Um, you know, we have to remember that we've had about four million dollars of negative advertising spent against me. None of the other candidates have ne- had negative ads spent against them. And you know, the last poll that I saw had us in second place uh, with Mike, uh, with Josh ahead, or with Josh in third. And look, at the end of the day, I think that you can't focus too much on the polls, especially this far out. A lot of them are going to be wrong, uh, even the ones that are conducted independently. But I feel in a very good place. I think people are responding to the message, and I think importantly, Bob. I've shown that I can take a hit. You've got to be able to take a punch in politics. None of these other guys have taken a punch I have.
2: All right, there it is. You did it. You kept it in 45. I appreciate that very much. I, JD. I thanks, for the, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the time this morning. Thanks, Bye. Right. Take care, That's man. J.D. Vance on AM 1420. The answer, as you might imagine, we're going to take this right to the news so we can catch up a little bit. We're going to come back on the other side and talk about more races, this one being a congressional race that isn't the congressional race that Jonah Schultz signed up for. Uh, The lines have been redrawn. We'll talk to Jonah Schultz about that coming up after the top of the hour, AM 1420, The Answer.